Praise the Lord, everybody. This is Brother J.W. Brand here at God's Whole Word, and it is good to be with you here on this uh, Tuesday evening, really, is what it is, and um, we have taken a little bit of time off, and uh, I won't go into much detail about that, but, uh, uh, you know, as I've said to y'all before, uh, that, you know, we've got to be busy about our Father's business, and one of those things is the Bible tells you to, you know, when you need to take care of your family, you've got to take care of your family. And that is the work of God as well. And so it's not that I uh, minimalize, uh, if you will, this podcast or uh, knock it down some notches of, of importance or anything of the sort. Uh, but it's just that it's very important that we take care of our families. And we uh, encountered a situation where we needed to be uh, there for a family member. And uh, so we've taken the time to to do that and seem to have uh, kind of gotten through some of that. And so we are able to uh, move forward. We had to uh, make our podcast room available uh, for a family member for a bit. And so... Um, I, you know, certainly want to extend an apology to y'all for having not been able to uh, do any podcast or what have you, have one, but I certainly will not apologize for the things uh, needing to be done in order to take care of our families. And so with that said, uh, I would hope that each and every one of us would be mindful of those things as well and remember that we've got to put our families uh, in line, you know, they've got to be first in line. You've got, this is the work of God. It's the way that the Lord, uh, moves us to be. So whether it be, uh, you know, uh, a husband and wife and, and they are, uh, in a position to, uh, you know, the, the husband puts the wife first and the wife puts the husband first. And, and then of course the children, uh, follow after that. And then, of course, if you uh, are in a ministry, uh, any type of ministry, whether you run a ministry or whether you pastor a church or whatever the case is, those should follow down after uh, in line after your family. Now, I don't mean that the church is less important or that your ministry is less important, such as our, our ministry here. You know, it's a very important thing. And so we certainly have had uh, a lot of podcasts that we've been able to line up in our archives and that kind of thing that people can go over. Uh, but from time to time, we need to just uh, set aside time where when God puts something in front of you that you got to that God is calling you to do, uh, that you need to make yourself available. Then it's very important to to do that when it comes to your family, whether they be uh, you know your your children, your spouse, your uh, or other extended families and so family members. And so uh, that is what we we did. And uh, so. I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time today. I was looking through the list of podcasts, and I noticed that we finished up. It appears as though we finished up with podcast number 73, so we're moving along, if I've got that correct in what I see. Because uh, I'm not looking at the computer and what it's telling me. I actually keep a uh, file of the uh, by paper. You know, I do the... I do the old time way also, and I keep track of those by paper, make notes and that kind of thing. And from my notes, it appears that the last podcast that we did was uh, number 73. And we were talking about God's precious treasure to us, our children, and I want to talk about that a little bit, a little bit more talking about family. Uh, but uh, of course, what this is uh, 
leading to is the fact that we've been looking in Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19, and we're talking about the things that God's, God hates. And, you know, um, a lot of people get really bothered when you begin to talk like that, and when you begin to talk about things like that. And, uh, you know, um, the Lord has really been working on me these last couple of weeks as we've been uh, dealing with some family issues and that kind of thing. And uh, so I, I wanted to be able to uh, come to you with a couple of thoughts in mind, you know, some things that I've looked at and come across over these last few weeks that are just really disheartening. And and when we talked about this last podcast, of the title being God's Precious Treasures to Us, Our Children, and then I happened to, in these last couple of weeks, ran across on my phone, of course, uh, and in the news, uh, situations that have come about in families that is absolutely tragic. And one of the things that we were talking about that God hates is the shedding of innocent blood. And this isn't just any shedding of innocent blood. This is blood that's shed by family members to other family members. And this is absolutely tragic. It, it is it, it's just beyond even understandability. It just doesn't, uh, you know, your brain can't compute that people can be so hateful and so evil towards uh, their own children, their own spouses, and so on and so forth. And so I don't want to get real graphic and I don't want to get real detailed, but there was one situation where I came across not too long ago, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people may have heard of some of these situations. Uh, one was a, 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 a very young girl. She was 11 years old that was raped and murdered um, by a neighbor, in matter of fact, in the Houston area. And uh, these were believers. In matter of fact, they were Pentecostal believers. Um, and it, it's just a tragic, tragic thing. Now, they did ca uh, catch the perpetrator. He is in jail, 18-year-old. Uh, and I, I don't want to get into all the, the details and that kind of thing. But it, it leaves families devastated. You know, it's just a, a sad, tragic thing. Now, of course, this was a neighbor uh, that, that did this, but this is still a shedding of innocent blood. I mean, this is an 11-year-old girl. Um, from what I understand, I guess she had even made uh, a phone call, I believe, to her father when somebody was knocking on the door. But um, in any event, the father found her, uh, found her deceased body, and, and it's just it just breaks your heart that people can be so evil and so wicked and so ungodly and so hateful uh, that they have no sense of value of, of a life. And this is the reason why God hates the shedding of innocent blood. It's just a, uh, something that infuriates God. And But what has disturbed me more than anything, I mean, uh, certainly that ranks up there. I, I don't even know that I can even say what I'm getting ready to say ranks any higher than that because that's got to be just, just devastating. It's devastating for the community to hear. You know, when an 11-year-old girl, she can't even be safe in her home, and um, such a tragedy has to happen. But, and, and, and you know, 
the thing of it is that it's things like this that happen, and and people will look at you when you're a Christian. They'll say, "How could you serve a God that will allow these things to happen?" Look, we don't always have the answers for for these things. We really don't. I mean, no one can really explain why that certain things happen the way that they do and, and, and certainly tragic things and terrible things and especially when you've got people that are believers and how how can this be? And it's a very hard thing to process. And uh, we don't always understand the situation. We don't, I mean, when I say that, I mean, we've got the same questions as, as any non-believer would have. You know, why did this have to happen? Why, why, you know, why can't we, um, you know, um, see something different other than what has happened? Because, you know, why, why couldn't something else have stepped in to stop this and so on and forth? And we can go on and on with that. And we can really cause ourselves deep stress um, over it. And uh, I, I'm, I'm sure that the Father himself is, is just, uh, I can't even imagine the difficulty he's been through emotionally over this. And so our hearts and our prayers go out to him and to the church uh, that they attend and the family members at large and all of that. But sometimes there's just no, no explanation uh, to why certain things happen. But what I can say to you is this, and it's certainly not going to do justice when I say this, because it just isn't going to ring an understandability to people's hearts because there's really no way to explain things. There's no way to make sense of certain things that happened that really shouldn't happen because that shouldn't have happened. You know, it should not be that people can be in their home and that somebody can come into their home and, and kill them, especially a little innocent 11-year-old girl. It just doesn't make any sense. But, you know, I don't want to seem crass or hurtful or anything of the sort when I say what I'm going to say. But, you know, the thing of it is that God does give us, now I'm going to talk about this for a moment on the side of, of, of God, because a lot of people say, well, why would God allow this? And so it's not so much that, uh, you know, you got uh, looking at it from that standpoint, you got to look at it from another standpoint, and that is that God allows each and every one of us to be a free moral agent. In other words, um, we're not forced to have a certain morality. God gives us a choice on what we're going to do. And unfortunately, unfortunately, that means that some people are going to choose to absolutely uh, negate any morals whatsoever in their life. Um, and this young man, this 18-year-old young man, uh, just did not have a, a moral compass when it came to the value of a life. And um, and that is unfortunate that some people will make the choice to be so wicked and ungodly. But we live in that type of a world, and we do live in a world where we are given choice, each and every one of us. So the one thing that I can say is, each and every one of us, I pray that 
we would be uh, those who will have a moral compass that is more um, geared towards the value of life. You know, and we live in a society where people have just absolutely removed the value of human life. You know, you got people that will yell up and down the street with signs and say, you know, a woman's right to choose. And and what that actually means is I should have a right to kill my baby. That's what they're actually saying. And when you become a society that just has no value of life and you, you're going to literally... Uh, destroy the life of something that is so innocent and should be protected in the womb of the mother, the very place that God put it to be so protected. When you get to the place to where you can't even value the life that God placed in a place to be protected by the mother that should have the love in her heart to do so, when you begin to tear away those things, you're tearing away at some very um, core ways that tear at the value of life. It rips at it. It it tears at it in such a way that other people around they when they get desensitized, because that's what happens, you know, we, we get desensitized. And the other thing is, you know, the things that we watch on TV, you know, I, I call them one-eyed demons, or the, you know, the little phones and the television and all that kind of thing. And you got to be in control of those things. But so many people have gotten to the place where they've been desensitized even by the things that they watch. It's like no big deal to watch uh, some horrible, horrible murder uh, movie, like, and they'll call them thrillers or they'll call them, um, you know, just like horror movies and that kind of thing. And when you get to the place to where there's no value of life, even in the area of entertainment in your life, we are ripping apart at the seams of what God put together where we should value life. Every life. Every life should be important because God created each and every person you know, for us Christians, I could even say this. We should even want to value the life of an atheist. As a Christian, you really should. Because the Lord, you know, he himself, and I believe it's in uh, chapter, Mark chapter, um, let me see here, Mark. Uh, I was just reading it earlier today. And the Lord, you know, he talks about us loving our enemies and and treating even our enemies uh, I'll, I'll find that again uh, I'll find it another time but uh, it was in the book of or it might have been Luke actually that might have been where it was at it was in the book of Luke uh, that I was looking at and studying today I was in the book of Mark and I was also in the book of Luke um, but in any event uh, those of you that, uh, you know, you've been around the Word of God long enough. 
and I'm I'm sorry that I didn't look up those those specific scriptures, but today it was just something that came into my head and in my mind uh, while we were talking. Um, but Jesus talked about us even loving our enemies. He said, even do good to those that persecute you. I remember reading that today, and I, and I really began to ponder that because that's not an easy thing to do, especially you know in a situation such as that. You know, somebody has murdered your child, raped and murdered your child. How do you process that? You know, how do you process that to the point that Jesus said, look, I want you to love your enemy, and I, and I want you to forgive your enemy, and I, I want you to do good to your enemy. It, it becomes a very difficult thing to try to process. But the fact is that it's something that the Lord asks us to do. Even though it is probably the hardest, but one thing that we have is an example that Jesus gave to us because while he was even on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. They don't realize what they're doing, Lord. He said, so forgive them. And, and the Lord, you know, the first little while, when the Lord was put on the cross and the two thieves next to him, you know, for a while, both thieves, uh, you know, they if you read the story, you, you find that both thieves were kind of coming at Jesus and, and making fun of him and, and different things. But after a while, whatever it was that somehow, even on the cross, Jesus began to reach, uh, trying to reach both of them, trying to reach both thieves. But one of them finally was converted before it was all said and done. And uh, the Lord forgave him. And he said, you'll be with me in paradise today. And so, albeit hard, albeit difficult, albeit something that we just cannot understand, we're not called to understand why certain things are allowed to happen. You know, sometimes we, it, there's just things that are going to happen that's just not going to make any sense. And we have to be able to pick up the pieces and be able to move forward. And I, you know, I myself, you know, I've, I've experienced certain things that, you know, put me in that same position. You say, well, you only say that because you've never had to experience. Oh, yeah, I have. I've had to. I've had to uh, literally be put in positions where I had to learn to love my enemy because of what they had done and things they had said and how they persecuted me and and um, and still today, some some today, and I've had I've had to just say, Lord, you allowed this to be, and I am going to have to take what you've given me, and I'm going to have to uh, do the things that you're calling me to do. And I'm, and 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 it's I'm not kidding. It's it's not always easy to do, but it's something that we've got to do. And you know, when you begin to get to that place where the Lord sometimes puts those uh, situations to you. That's my dog barking and trying to get in. Um, I've tried to, um, you know, look at it from this point of view, that the Lord, He does allow certain things that don't make any sense. But when He does, Lord, even though I can't understand everything, even though I can't completely understand why certain things have happened, you know, because 
uh, were coming up, or have come up, excuse me, uh, on, no, we're coming up, excuse me, once again, um, on the death, one year death of our son. It'll be at the end of this month. And, uh, you know, I, I've given a lot of thought to the whole situation. And I could sit there and I could blame a lot of different people. Some people that, um, you know, there was a time that I, during that, this past year, that I became angry with certain people that I knew that had been involved with this whole thing. And, um, and it, it's hard. It is so difficult. But, but I had to do this, and I had to get to this place where I said, Lord, okay, some of this I just don't understand. I don't get. And I, I, I don't really understand why my son is six feet in the grave. I don't get it. Because he's only 22 and he had his whole life ahead of him. And, um, but, you know, he made choices himself. But along the way, I also began to do this thing to where I began to reach further than just my son's responsibility with certain things he was involved with that certainly we had taught him. You know, as a Christian parents, you know, you teach your children to live right, but, you know, they're going to make their choices. And, and, and when they become an adult, you, you just don't have that um, ability to try to rein them in like you do when they're younger because they're an adult. They're going to live their life and they're going to go on. But, you know, there was this point that I began to go beyond just my son's responsibility um, with what he had gotten himself involved with, which did lead to his death. And began to, you know, look at some of the other people that I knew were involved that had helped to cause it. Because my son was involved with drugs. And I began to be angry with some of those that had made it available to him that I knew had made available to him. And uh, and you can really get yourself so far off from what the Lord is trying to help you focus on uh, if you're not careful. And I really had to get to the place where, you know, I took time to pray and say, God, you know, help me to learn what it is that I need to understand because some of it I'm never going to understand. I'm never going to be able to understand certain things that, you know, that I, I myself was, you know, mulling over in my mind about the whole situation. And you can drive yourself crazy trying to, you know, trying to figure it all out and it's just not going to work. And so I had to get to the place where I said, Lord, okay, since I can't do that. I, I just can't. I can't come to the place where I completely am going to understand each one of these things that I'm looking at and, and um, all the people that uh, really played a responsibility and a part. But what I can do is I can look at your word and I can say, Lord, Help me to understand this part. What it is that I need to do in order to help me uh, 
one, I want to be right with you, Lord. I, I want to be right with you, Lord. So show me. And and the Lord said, you know, he pointed a verse to me and he said, you know, I asked you to forgive. And if you don't forgive, then the Father in heaven will forgive you. And so that's heavy. That's, that's a heavy thought. I want the Lord to forgive me and I... I want to be able to forgive because this is what Jesus did for me. And the Lord reminded me of the things that I had done that may not be, you know, some of the things my son was involved with, but, but some of the things I've been involved with in my life, throughout my life, and the wrong that I did and the sin I committed and all those things uh, and having to come to a place of repentance myself. But how that affected the Lord and how that, you know, brought pain to the Lord himself. And so we have to come to that place where we say, you know, um, Lord, what is it I need to learn? What is it I need to take away from this, what has come to me, has come to my life or come into my life? Um, you know, and so there's these other situations that came up as well that I, you know, saw over these last couple of weeks that made me to think about this podcast, um, you know, and the fact that God hates the shedding of, of the blood of the innocent. And um, there's three situations, I think three, let's see. Uh, one was there was a mother and a father and three kids. Now, this just happened not too long ago. And for years and years and years, this family seemed to have it all together. They both had great jobs. Um, it wasn't like that people were just stymied at home and locked up at home, like a lot of things uh, that you see sometimes. You'll find out that that was the dynamics of some abusive situation or whatever with a family that turned out tragic. But that's not how this one was. It was, it was like, and it really kind of threw me when I read it because it was uh, a husband had a great job and, and uh, uh, provided well for his family. You know, the mother herself, she had a great job also helping to provide for the family as well. You know, both, both pulling their weight. And the mother was involved, um, you know, out in the community. Uh, the three kids were, were involved. You know, there was uh, scouts and there was band and all this stuff that, you know, showed they were put out into the community. They were not like hidden and, and you know, away and that kind of thing where sometimes you, you see that and it's like, well, we saw that coming and that kind of thing. But this is like something totally different because... Uh, these people enjoy it. They said, you know, like the neighbors, they said the kids were always outside playing and playing with their dogs. And just it just was something that made no sense. And apparently the father um, just one day uh, killed the wife and, and all three kids and himself. Uh, and I remember the article saying it's called Family Annihilation. And I thought, what a terrible thing that they have a name for this. And I guess they had come up with a name for it because it has tragically been something that has picked up momentum. 
And there was another one not long after that. And you say, well, that's, you know, uh, something we see with men and they, you know, they're controlling and this, that, and the other. Well, just a few days later, I saw uh, this article come up. This mother, she literally killed her son and her older daughter. The son apparently was to be uh, transferred over. The husband and wife had split up, and I guess the father got custody of the son. And she just did not want to do that. And so she decided to kill the 10-year-old boy, shot him, shot the daughter, who was 19, who was, I don't think, the daughter of that man, um, and then shot herself. And it's just things that don't make sense. But it all fits in this category where God says that he hates the shedding of innocent blood. There, there's some innocent blood here being shed. And it just don't make no sense. But what is it that we can look at that we can somehow maybe take a little bit of solace and there's just not even really, I don't even think that's even the right word. In all of this that we see, in all of these terrible things that happen where people, you know, where they have gotten to a place where they don't even love their own children, their own spouses, um, to where they would never harm them or hurt them. It, it's just, it's unfathomable in the mind. It makes no sense. But it's happening. And, uh, you know, and it's happening more frequently over time, you know, and, and uh, we, you know, some of us, we try to rationalize it and we'll say, well, you know, the pressures of the world. And, and a lot of people, they'll throw in COVID and they'll throw in just all these different things. But the bottom line is sin. Sin wreaks havoc on us. It absolutely does. And, and the Lord will uh, not look at any one sin any different than another. You know, sin is sin. But the Lord does give some word to us in Proverbs chapter 6 and verses 16 through 19, of some things that, that are to stand out to us, that are really to stand out to us. And one of those is that God hates the shedding of innocent blood. God wants that to stand out to us. He wants us to understand that in no uncertain term. Because human life to God is beyond what we can even fathom in our mind. Because God has created us. He's created us in his image. He loves us. Every single person that God has created, he had a plan for them. Every single person that was ever conceived in the womb, God had a plan for them. Every single person that has been, as they call it now, family annihilation, every one of these family members, God created them for a purpose and a reason. And the reason and purpose was not for them to be annihilated, not for them to be murdered or killed or whatever. They, they were not to be taken out as innocent blood. But you see, Satan, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the doings of Satan. You see, God is love. The Bible says God is love. God moves in the realm of love. But many, many times, 
human beings do not. And you say, well, why didn't God just make us all be nice? Then what you would be saying is, I was hoping to say that God would have made us all without choice. Now let that sink in for a minute. Yes, if we were without choice, and God had just programmed us to be caring and sweet human beings, that certainly would seem like a utopia to us. And, and it really would. I mean, because the human beings would, uh, would being programmed to, to love life and, and value every human being. And that's a wonderful thing. It certainly is. But I know this is really hard to let sink in. But the, the ability to choose to have choice would not be there. It would have been removed. You would be like a robot. You, you would not have choice. Now, how many of us right now today can say, as you are now, looking at life, I mean, for me, w would I choose that my son would be alive today? Absolutely. Absolutely, 100%, hands down. But I don't get that choice. It, it's not given to me. Um, and I have to accept that. I have to also accept the choices that I make. What choices do I make for life? And see, if you were not given choice, think about that for a minute. That would also mean that you wouldn't choose who it is your spouse is. You don't get to choose um, your career. You don't get to choose um, where you live. You don't get to choose the job that you take. Now you say, well, a lot of people can't do that. They're just going to, you know, I get all of the detail that people could throw out over what I'm saying. But we do have choice. You know, you get to choose. If you don't like, now like, Myself, you know, I like spinach, and I know a lot of people that don't. But would I even myself want to say to my child, you're going to eat that spinach, and you're going to eat it whether you like it or not, and you're going to swallow it down, and you're going to keep eating it every time I serve it. I, I know there's people like that. Uh, now, for myself, when I was raising our children, I would say to my kids this. Because sometimes the look of certain food just, you know, you might look at it and think, ah, it's not, I don't want to do that. So what I would say to my kids when I would serve certain things, and I would say, look, this is all I ask you to do. And I'd put just a tiny little bit on there when they kind of look a little squeamish, and I'd say, all I want you to do is just take a little taste. even, And if you don't like it, you could even... Go to the garbage, spit it out. You don't have to even swallow it. I said, but at least try it. 
at least try it because you never know you might like something just don't base it off of how it looks because it might be better than what you think and and that's how we function now i know a lot of parents they would just you know they wouldn't go down that road and i'll just leave it at that but um you say, well, you don't sound like you would have been a parent like that. I listen to your preaching, and I listen to your teaching, and you're, you know, you've been, you, I've heard you slamming on your desk, and I've heard you raising your voice and even just yelling at the top of your lungs. I have done that. I've done that many, many times, and probably most of the time when I preach and I teach, I get to that point. And, um, but, you know, I, like I said to you, I kind of compartmentalize those things. And it's like, okay, God puts a voice in me and he puts a word in me and a fire in me and, and God puts, uh, you know, things to say in, in my heart that come from the word of God. And, and I get them out there and I say them, I pray, I say, Lord, I need you to lead me and let God lead me and, and, and move on from there. But once all that's said and done and I move from that into the position of either a parent or a neighbor or a friend or, um, you know, relative or whatever. When I come out from that spot or that place where I am in, in ministry and, and preaching and teaching, uh, as I've done over the years, then I place myself in a position of, of who that is, you know, as a parent or uh, as a cousin or a grandchild or whatever, and you function within that as God calls you to do and being loving and kind and caring and, and thoughtful and, and all of those things that the Lord asks you to do. Um, is it easy to balance? No, it's not easy to balance. Sometimes it can be rather difficult because even though I can make that transition and I can see things in that way, other people have a hard time with that. Uh, sometimes they just they can't see me beyond the pulpit and they look at me in a different uh, light and and one thing I'll say to you um, you know I know that the Lord is working in me as he should all of us and transitioning us to the next phase of whatever God wants us to do and so on and so forth so uh, you know I, I'm open to whatever God wants certainly but when I talk about this and have been talking about this i know it sounds different than where i've been going with it you know um but these last two weeks have really been uh, a challenging two weeks for numerous reasons um and and part of that is i'm looking at all of this that i see that's coming from people you know that I don't even know I have no idea who they are I just see them in the news or on the phone and this tragic thing has happened or whatever and I'm looking at that and I'm thinking how how can you do this to people you claimed to love it, it just boggles my mind it doesn't make any sense to me because Love doesn't behave that way. You know, the Bible, it gives us the example of what love is. It tells us what love looks like. You know, Jesus gives us 
those words through the mouth of the apostle. I say Jesus, but, uh, you know, Jesus spoke and taught <laughs> the apostle Paul. Uh, you know, you can find that through the scripture that the Lord did speak to the apostle Paul. He met him. He talked with him. And so there's a reason why I say Jesus through the mouth of the Apostle Paul because Jesus has taught him uh, to minister you know, mostly to the Gentiles, uh, people. And, and, and Jesus, you know, put those uh, thoughts and mind of words that come from the Lord about what love looks like, you know. And in uh, the book of Corinthians, we have what we call the love chapter, you know, and a lot of people, they will say, uh, and I believe that's First Corinthians chapter thirteen is what it is, and it's it's known as the love chapter, and it goes through all these different things. And a lot of people have heard uh, these things. Um, they even quote them at weddings that are even uh, these sayings, even at weddings of, of people that are in the world. You know, they say love doesn't behave itself unseemly. It doesn't seek her own. It's not easily provoked. Uh, it doesn't think evil. Uh, it rejoices not in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never faileth. Whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. And whether there be tongues, they shall cease. And whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Uh, but, um, you know, and, and, and before that, in verse 4, it says, Charity suffereth long, it's kind, it envy not, envies not. And charity is another word for love. And love vaunteth not itself, it's not puffed up. I mean, when you listen to these things, you know, charity suffereth long, it's kind. Charity doesn't envy, or love doesn't envy. It, it, it doesn't puff itself up. It, it it doesn't behave itself unseemly. It, it doesn't seek your own. You know, it's not selfish. Uh, it's not easily provoked. You know how people just snap nowadays. I mean, it just, it's unbelievable. And... Um, it thinks no evil. You know, you, you don't just go around just thinking evil of every single person that you look at, you know, and that kind of thing. And and you you look at all this list of what love looks like that God has given us an example of what it means to have real God's uh, godly love, agape love as they call it, from uh, chapter 13 and verse 4 uh, through um, verse 8. Where it talks about charity never fails, love love never fails. Well, this was a failing um, with these families. So, so the thing that I look at this and I and I once I saw these articles and I thought, there's no way you could tell me that you loved your family. You, you know, so many people they'll say, well, they really did love them, but no, there's no but because love is not going to bring you to that point. It's not going to bring you to that place to where you are going to literally shed innocent blood because either you got too angry or because you're so selfish that you you know it's got to be your way or the highway um, or whatever the case may be and you know sometimes people listen to me and they'll say well you seem like the person uh, that uh, you know it's your way or the highway well I've had to make concessions too it's not like that um, that I haven't had to do that and I've had to learn it more and more because um, if you're going to be living for God and you're going to be walking in his love and walking in the spirit of God you you can't help but change and you got to change the way Jesus wants you to be 
which is like him. Jesus wouldn't go around annihilating a bunch of people in his family and then say, oh, but I loved them. Really, I did. No, you didn't. No, no. When you when you get to that place where you think that you want to wipe your family out, don't tell me that you love your family. And I guess I'm speaking that to any and all people because, you know, some people say, well, this is a Christian podcast or so to, so to speak or whatever. But listen, I read a few months ago where there was a man who claimed to be a Christian. He wiped out his whole family, including himself, and he claimed to follow Jesus. And so um, don't tell me that you follow him if you are sitting there contemplating shedding of innocent blood, whether it be your family or your neighbors or your in-laws or whatever the case may be, and then you sit there and you claim Jesus. No, that doesn't work that way. I remember a woman that had came to know the Lord, she says, and then she hired a hitman, which she didn't know was an under, undercover agent, uh, hired a hitman to kill her mother-in-law. And then when she thought it was done and she had paid him supposedly for the deed done, but she didn't know that it was, you know, uh, set up by an undercover. Uh, she had said to him at one point before uh, he supposedly done the deed and she thought so, but of course they had to make sure she handed payment over and after the deed was done, as she thought in her mind. But he actually did, you know, didn't know such thing. But anyway, she at one point she said, "Well, you know, I'm a Christian, but I know this is wrong, and I know that murder is wrong. The shedding of innocent blood, basically, is what God is talking about." She said, "I know this is wrong, but she said, when it's over, I'll ask God to forgive me, and then um, He will, and I'll move on." See, there's a problem with that thinking, because Jesus, He knows your motives. I remember just this last. Uh, Sabbath service that we had and uh, Brother Vernon he's uh, the one that always takes the prayer request and he's had this um, wonderful way of really moving forward in uh, the prayer ministry and what he'll do is he'll bring us a word each time and this this last Sabbath it was what is your motive you know what is your motive with what you do why you do it why do you pray why do you uh, you know and it really gets your mind thinking. You know, what is your motive? What is what is my motive? You know, what what am I? What is my motivation for the things that I do? And I have to even say to myself, you know, what was what was my motive for starting this podcast? What was my motive for even starting the YouTube ministry, YouTube preacher? I really have to think about these things. You know, what is my motive? Because what you want is you want your motives to be right in God. And when your motives are not right in God, God knows it. You know, you, you, you're, the Bible says that God won't be mocked. And that means you can't trick him. You can't fool God. You're not going to be able to do that. And you could sit there and say all the day long, well, you know, I'll ask forgiveness. And God's, you know, like he's got a responsibility to forgive you when you know you're sitting there contemplating uh, shedding of innocent blood. Listen, it, you know, God is going to look at you. And know your heart. And if you think that you're just going to skirt your little self on into heaven and, and have uh, this wickedness in your heart to shed innocent blood, I'm going to tell you right now, God is telling every one of us through his word, he hates it. He hates it. There's no two ways about it. God hates the shedding of innocent blood. 
So we would be wise to look at the things that God hates and, and, and think about it. You know, this is something God hates. I don't even need to be getting close to, to hating my brother because if I get close to it and then I literally lean over into that and hate my brother, because the Bible says, you know, you hate your brother. That includes sisters. You know, that it, it, brother is just a term to, to mean, you know, either your family, your actual blood family, adoptive family, whatever you got going on, or, or your church family. But if you get to the place where you hate them, Jesus says, look, I don't see that any different than you shedding, shedding innocent blood. I mean, and this is the reason why I've said to people whenever I've been teaching and preaching, I said, look, a lot of people, they want to say, look, we don't live under the law, the law of Moses. I said, no, that's true. We don't. I said, but do you know that the law of grace is even stricter than the law of Moses? It's even stricter. You say, how can that be? Because Jesus, he came to clarify that understanding that, look, this is a, a day and age of grace, but Jesus is going to explain grace because he said, look, he said in the day of grace, he said, it's not, it's not just, you know, because under the law, they could hate their brother, but, you know, it, it didn't translate into, uh, you know, equalizing itself to murder under that law because people, you know, they functioned in a certain way of thinking and looking at the law. But when Jesus came, he had to explain, and he said, look, he said, you're just not getting it. He said, because, he said, if you hate your brother. Now, one thing he said, hate your brother without a cause. Now, some people will throw that in and they'll say, well, I got a cause, I got a cause. And then they'll re rationalize the reason why they're able. You, you're going to have to study that a little bit better. Okay? Because you cannot rationalize it that, well, I hate them because they did me wrong. Well, Jesus said it's better for us to take wrong and to forgive. So, you know, you can't twist things with uh, with Jesus. You you can't twist things to fit your what it is you want to do in order to get away with what you want to get away with. And when it comes to the shedding of innocent blood, there's so many things that fit in that category. We've talked about abortion. We've talked about um, you know these parents that have wiped out their children. You know, just because uh, this one mother didn't want to give her son up. How can you say that you love your son? Would it not have been better to give your son to uh, the ex-husband and allow him to live with his father than for you to take his life? Well, see, we can't ask that question of her anymore because she killed herself as well, as well as her older daughter. She's wiped them all out. And so it, it's a sad day that we live in where we see these things happening more and more. But what I want to say to you as we close, consider the things that God hates. Don't take them lightly. Consider the things that God hates. And one of those is the shedding of innocent blood. Take that very, very seriously. Take it to heart. And, and if you are starting to lean, as Jesus said, you know, he said, look, if you, if you hate your brother, he's likening it unto murder. Look it up. I mean, he literally likens this unto murder. Why? 
because it's just going to lead from one point to the next to the next that it could get to that point. Or we we do this thing where annihilation is not through uh, through actually killing them physically, but we wipe them out of our life, and then they have this thing now that's running around saying, oh, well, they were toxic, so I just cut them off. Where you don't want to work through your problems, you don't want to have discussion, you just, you're just going to wipe them out. And, and this is where people uh, are, where that spirit of just selfishness and self-centeredness become more and more prevalent in the day. But I'm going to tell you what. <laughs> I'm going to do my dead level best not to hit this desk when I'm talking. But you better know something. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to stop myself from hitting this desk. You better understand something, and you better understand something real good. <laughs> oh, yes. And that is this. You are going to meet God. You're going to meet him. Yes, you are. You're going to meet him. Oh, yes. You're going to meet Jesus. And you are going to have to have that thing straightened out in you. All the people you got attitudes towards, all the people you got bad feelings towards, and you refused to forgive and you refused to move forward in God, you're going to give an account. Make no mistake of that fact. So stop playing with Jesus and get right with him today. And so with that said, I love y'all. You know, some people say, you know, you you just a mental case. I mean, people, <laughs> you know, I, I got the point where I don't care. You know, you won't call me a mental case. That's all right. I don't care anymore. Uh, but, um, it, you know, the fact is, some things need to be said. God's going to put the fire of God in some preacher's mouths. He's going to put a word down in them to try to get across to you in your stubborn ways. And you say, well, what about yours? Oh, I'm telling you what, God has had to, to just put me through the ringer. I'm not kidding. God has had to put me through the ringer, and then the Lord spoke to me, and He, because I said, Lord, I don't want to go do what you said to do, because I, I, I just didn't want to go down this road. Because I knew that it would make people angry. I knew it would irritate people. I knew it would bother people, and... and but the Lord said, look, I put you through the things and the ringer that I put you through because of your own ways. And he said, and I don't use that. And he said, because I need you to talk to people with that feeling of knowing where they've been. You see. And so if you've had hate and anger and resentment and bitterness well up in you, I know what that feels like. And I'm going to tell you what, you got to get rid of it. Because it's only going to get more intense. It's only going to get stronger. And, and literally can cause you to backslide. I, I've been there. I know what I'm talking about. And so you're going to have to make up your mind that you're going to let Jesus do something to you. I'm going to tell you what. Jesus has the power. 
Oh, yes, he does. He has the power to change a life. He has the power to change a mind. He has the power to change, hallelujah, glory to God, and to change a heart if you will just let him do it. Let him do it. Let him take away that bitterness. Let him take away that anger. And you say, well, I don't, you don't know what all I've been through and the way I've been treated. And I don't know I can forgive these people and so on. Look, I, I, I've explained some of the detail of what I've been through and some of the things I've, I've had to deal with. I'm not saying I understand your depth of bitterness and hate and all, all of that. I, look, but I show enough new mind. And I'm telling you right now. Where I was, I can say to you unequivocally that God can change a heart if you'll let him. But you got to be willing. you got to be willing to submit and say, God, here I am. Here I am. Forgive me because, Lord, <laughs> you know, if anybody deserved to be bitter and angry, it would be God. And God is coming back to this earth one day with vengeance. It's true. But he's sure not going to do it against those that will turn to him. That he's not going to do. And at this point in the history of where we are and, you know, with the Lord, he was born 2,000 years ago, and he's, he's still available. His mercy still reaches. He loves every single person upon the face of this earth, and he's still reaching in love and mercy and long-suffering, even with all the things we've done, all the hateful uh, things that we've done against him that caused the Son of the living God, to be put on the cross. And yet Jesus, he loves us. His hand is still stretched out to us. He said, I love you. I'll forgive you of whatever you've done. I'll forgive you of whatever bitterness you've had, whatever hate you've had, whatever terrible sin you've committed. I'll forgive you if you just turn to me and ask forgiveness and mean that. You know, you got to really mean it when you say you, you want to repent and you say that you want forgiveness. you got to really mean that. And you got to really mean that you're going to forgive others that have hurt you. You really have to mean that. You can't use this excuse, well, I'll forgive them, but I'm never going to forget. And you say it in that way, and God knows that you really have not forgiven them. Now, it may be true that you wouldn't be hanging around them. I remember a terrible, terrible situation that came up years and years ago. And um, there was... I don't want to give the detail because some people maybe listen to this podcast and I don't want to stir things up, cause people to be upset. But there was a specific young lady, and she was a teenager, as a matter of fact, and uh, she was raped, and she was raped by a brother that had been in the church. And... Um, was he walking with the Lord at that time? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Walking after the flesh. And, you know, there was a lot of very, very difficult feelings to have to deal with over that. A lot of people hurt. A whole entire church affected and you know, so many different things that played into that. And yes, the brother went to jail, spent years in jail and, and all that kind of thing. But it was a very difficult thing to deal with, uh, especially those family members. They, it, it was hard. 
and and maybe even today that some of those scars uh, there but um there was a point that um like i said i won't give a lot of detail but there was a point that there was something that was brought to certain family members uh, that attended this church uh, brought back to their attention uh, this situation after the brother had got out of jail he uh, repented but he um, wanted to say he was sorry wanted to for, you know ask forgiveness and um, you know and the situation was such that he was hoping to be able to uh, attend the churches where he was when he committed this crime. That was a difficult thing because there needed to be such a forgiveness on the other side because they attended there too, uh, that they would be willing to allow such a thing. But the pastor was, you know, it put him in a really difficult situation. He said, look, he said, this is the way that it's going to have to be. He said, I will ask the family members how they feel about this. He said, but if they're just not comfortable with it, I will need you to attend a different church. And it seemed like the right uh, thing to do. Um, but, you know, long story short, um, the family members that were attending there, they said, you know, um, we forgive him and we want to move forward and, and all of that. And so they were okay with him attending the church there. Several years had passed, and a lot of things said and done, and just um, it was a very difficult situation. Um, and, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that hear that, and they would probably just almost make their skin crawl. But it was such that the people involved and the families involved they were taken into consideration and and they all came together and said you know we just want to forgive and move forward and um so on and so forth and they allowed that to be um but certainly they were not told oh well you know you got to go out to dinner after church together and you got no no there, there's a line that was drawn and um being able to try to function with that line uh, did become a bit difficult, and some of the family members started attending another church eventually. But not because of um, bitterness or anger or whatever. It was just needing um, another place uh, to be able to function better. And so, you know, let's remember those things that, um, you know, Forgiveness doesn't always mean that you're going to be, you know, hanging out and running with that crowd that maybe have hurt you or caused just terrible, terrible pain, committed horrible crime against you, sin against you. It doesn't mean that you're expected to run around with them and hang out with them and go to dinner with them and whatever, uh, that kind of thing. But we certainly want to make sure that we allow God to work a work of forgiveness in our heart. And so with that said, I'm going to close it with this. If, if you have 
had um, family members that they were innocent in one capacity or another and their blood was shed. Now, you know, I can't claim complete innocence with my son as far as that goes with him because he was involved with the drugs and uh, he, he didn't listen, you know, with that as far as that goes. Um, but, you know, if it is that maybe it's even fresh, you know, this is something you're dealing with now. I know it's not easy. I, I know it'll never, ever, ever be an easy thing, but allow the Lord to work on you to forgive. Allow Him to, to do that within your soul because it is going to relieve a weight off of you. It really will. And I say that and mean sincerely that I know from personal experience it's not going to be easy. Um, you know, when you, especially when you, you know that certain people have um, helped to cause the whole situation. Um, you know, it's kind of hard, like for parents maybe, that their children have died from um, overdoses of drugs and that kind of thing because their kids got involved with the drugs. And it, it's, and especially Christian folks, it's really, really difficult to maneuver through that because, you know, with the situation with my son, the people who made these things available, it's, it, it just didn't make sense why those particular people made some of these things available to my son. It just, it angered me. It, I mean, I don't even know if that's the right word. It was more like infuriated me. Um, but you know, you have to get to a place where you have to forgive, even if the person's are not even asking for it. Because forgiveness will open up a door to healing. It really will. It'll open up a door to healing. And and, and I believe that that is a very large part, part of, of uh, God asking us to, to do this because our body's the temple of the Holy Ghost. He doesn't want us destroying the temple. And certainly if our bodies are being racked with this unforgiveness. It literally is destroying another human being. And God doesn't want that to happen. And I know that's hard to understand. I know that's hard to maybe process the words I've just said. Um, you know, and I probably, I don't generally listen to my podcast. I don't generally go back and listen and I just say what I say and then move on. Um, but I might go back and listen to what I said and, and try to process what I said, too. Um, but we really have to let the Lord work on our hearts. And, and 
work that real true work of forgiveness in our hearts when the shedding of innocent blood has taken place. Um, and especially with those that are what seemingly is even more innocent. Um, this little 11-year-old girl, she just, she's just an innocent little girl at home. It's just a horrible thing. Um, these, you know, this 10-year-old boy, he was just like a pawn in his mother's hand, not knowing his mother was going to kill him. Just an innocent little boy. And not to mention the 19-year-old daughter, just, a, just an innocent bystander. And it's just, it's, it's a, a deep and heavy tragic thing when we get to the place to where the shedding of innocent blood is not looked at as something that God hates, but we really need to let that sink in. Let it sink in. And so with that said, may the Lord keep you, may the Lord bless you, may the Lord help you, especially those that may be dealing with this ourselves in whatever part that's being played in your life. Maybe you, you've allowed yourself to become so angry and bitter that you feel that way. You've got to take that to Jesus before it gets any further. Take it to the Lord. Don't, don't, let, don't let the devil use you. Don't do that. Don't let the devil use you to be hateful and uh, you know, cruel and, and mean to the point that it could uh, end up causing you to literally shed innocent blood. You don't want to go down that road. You got to turn around. And so with that said, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord help you. And with that said, this is Brother J.W. Brand. I'm out.